Well, good morning, Oakwood. How many of you got caught by the uh, daylight savings time bug? Anybody? No? Okay, one honest person in here. Hey, did anybody get up at 2 a.m. or just trust that your alarm would automatically, you know, set itself? Um, I've got an old school analog clock that I... I set just in case because I, I didn't completely trust that my iPhone would go ahead and update the time, but it did. So uh, I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, we get an extra hour of sunlight from now on, and, and so you'll be able to do more in the evening. What would you do if you were asked from the end of a gun, do you believe in God? Knowing that your life would depend on how you answered that question. That happened to a young lady who's become famous. Cassie Bernal, April 20th, 1999. And she was a shy 17-year-old girl who just happened to be in the library working on an English assignment over a lunch hour in Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado when shooting began. One of the gunmen stopped in front of her, pointed a gun at her, and asked her, Do you believe in God? She hesitated for a moment and said, Yes. And then he asked her, Why? But before he allowed her to answer, he took her life. And she became a martyr for Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to what Cassie handed to a a fellow classmate the day before. This was given to her friend Amanda on April 19th. So this was the day before. She said, honestly, I want to live completely for God. It's hard and scary, but totally worth it. Listen to what, in her own words, a poem that her brother found that she had written two days before Prior to this, it was titled, Cassie's Faith in Jesus' Resurrection Power. She said, now I have given up on everything else. I have found it to be the only way to really know Christ and to experience his mighty power that brought him back to life again and to find out what it means to suffer and to die with him. So whatever it takes, I will be one who lives in the freshness newness of those who are alive in Christ. I am a soldier of Christ. Cassie became famous. She became one of the, really the first modern day martyrs that we had had heard about who gave their life for, for Jesus Christ. If you want to write down this website here, I want to encourage you to, to check this out. The Martyrs, the Voice of the Martyrs, but this website, www.persecution.com, Voice of the Martyrs, based right here out of Oklahoma, Burlesville, Oklahoma. You can subscribe to a free uh, newsletter that they put out every month that gives stories about the persecuted church worldwide and people who literally give up their, their lives for their faith in Jesus Christ. Well, a significant event happened in Acts chapter 7 that 
unfortunately, even continues today, and that was the persecution of the church. And Stephen was the very first martyr to be martyred for his faith in Christianity. We are introduced to Stephen in Acts chapter 6. He was chosen as a deacon. It was described as him as a man full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, full of God's grace and power. Well, we see that he's arrested under false pretenses, and he is taken before the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was the religious court of the day, okay? They were the religious leaders. And he spoke to the Sanhedrin about the history of Israel and how God had worked through the people throughout all of history. And he concluded his message by telling the Sanhedrin about Jesus. And he said, you religious men, though you follow God or thought you followed God, you actually put the Savior, God's chosen Messiah, to death. Well, his words infuriated him. They dragged him out into the street, and then they stoned him to death. Well, here in America, it's really hard for us to to even comprehend that level of persecution. You see, Stephen lived under that threat of persecution because the church in Christianity was brand new. And the government sought to, to absolutely destroy and stamp out this new movement of Christianity. There had been several attempts through history just to absolutely silence Christianity. And today we are really trying to be silenced. Maybe not to the level of persecution that Cassie Bernal faced or that Stephen faced. But we're facing some inconveniences like, well, a church has trouble getting a permit for their zoning. Or maybe they fight to display a nativity scene or put up a cross or display the Ten Commandments. But we're not living under the threat of death and forced to worship underground or thrown into prison for merely possessing a, a copy of the Bible. That's real persecution. I think what we face here in America is really just minor inconveniences. But if you check out the voice of the martyrs, you will see that Christians worldwide are losing their life every single day for Jesus Christ. Not mere inconveniences. That, oh, we don't let you pray at a, a ball game anymore. Or we don't let you put up this religious display. We don't face that type of persecution that the early church did. Our members are not being drug out of the sanctuary here, taken out to the street, beaten to death, or stoned, or stabbed. See, the difference is that the first century church, they lived under that threat every day. They were living in, I would call, a non-Christian world that slowly over time became more Christian. We are living in a non-Christian world that has slowly become even less Christian. The American church, I think, exists in what's become a an increasingly hostile environment towards the church. We are being censored. 
And there are efforts to absolutely silence us. And maybe we, as a church, we've lost our voice. We've allowed ourselves to be censored and silenced. Do you realize that there are less people in church today than there were 10 years ago? Now take the pandemic out of that, okay? Statistically, the de- a church attendance has been in the decline for the last couple of decades. So instead of Christianity becoming more popular, it has actually become less popular. Now, I think the pandemic was an excuse that a lot of people have still used not to get back to church, that they got out of the habit and they just quit coming. They're not going anywhere to church. And we ought to be concerned that as a... as a group of Christians, church, that we are quickly becoming a minority. We are losing our influence. And we need to to ask ourselves, what do we need to do to make this world, make this country, even even our hometown, a better place? What, What do we need to do to have more influence and have a better impact in the world around us? This morning, I want to look at the mission of the church. And our mission really is very simple, is to reach the world for Christ. And we want to help people experience that relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something. Our message that we have doesn't just work here in America, but that message works worldwide. That we have a message to reach people for Jesus Christ. And when you look at the writings and the teachings of the early church leaders, and especially in the book of Acts, We find that those early church leaders didn't spend a lot of time on political issues. Now, they could have spent a lot of time talking about the Roman government and how oppressed they were and the taxes and how unfair that was and this. They didn't spend a lot of time talking about that stuff. They spent their time talking about Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter seven. And and if you want to read the entire uh, chapter seven here, you'll, you'll read Stephen's speech before the Sanhedrin. That was the religious court of the, of the day. But we're going to pick this story up in verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelled at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. In other words, he died. I want to make some observations that I think from these few verses here that will help us discover what we are called to do. First thing I want us to see observation is the message. Stephen ended his message with some pretty harsh words here. 
slide back up a few verses to verse 51 here. When this is how he addressed these guys. Now, and I have to remember, these are the religious leaders, okay? These are the elite holy people of their society, of the faith, of Judaism. He said, you stiff-necked people, man, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through the angel, but not obeyed it. You see what he was telling me? He, he had some pretty harsh words. He said, you guys know the law. You know what's written here, but you don't obey it. You don't follow what God says. Peter in Acts chapter 2 said almost the same thing if you go back. In Acts chapter 2 verse 38, he said, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God had made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. Who did he point the blame at? Not the, not the Romans. He pointed the blame back at the Jews. In Acts chapter 3, he said, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. In Acts chapter 4, verse 10, Peter, after healing the man at the temple gate, said this, But know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Then in Acts chapter 5, he repeats again, he says, The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. And now you see in Acts chapter 6 and Acts 7, Stephen continued this message that you guys are responsible for the death of Jesus. You have killed God's chosen Messiah. Pretty harsh words here. And I want you to notice something. They are directed not at the unbelievers, but at believers, at the religious crowd. They were directed towards their own people. They weren't attacking those outside of the church. Now, they had plenty of reason to attack the Romans and the Greeks, okay? Because they didn't care for those at all. They oppressed them. They ruled with a heavy hand. They gave them unbearable taxes. They had plenty of reasons not to like them. But they're now talking specifically to their own people, the Jews. And they're pretty harsh words. So this tells me that we need to save probably our harshest sermons, not for the lost world, but for those inside the church. But unfortunately, that's not the reputation that we have in the society, is it? We have a reputation in society is that we're judgmental, that we accuse them, that we are always constantly, uh, you know, judging them for something that they did or didn't do. But we need to make sure that perception isn't true. We need to speak to our own people about the sin that is in here, not the sin that's out there but the sin that is inside the body of Christ. 
We need to stop judging the world and start judging each other. 1 Peter 4, 17 says, For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. You understand what, what Stephen was saying here and what Peter was saying? That we don't need to start judging outside of the walls of this church. Our judgment needs to start inside. We need to start being concerned whether we're living right, whether we're hard-hearted, whether our ears are deaf, whether we know the Word of God and are not obeying it. Second observation is that it's the same message, but we get a different response. We need to remember that just because we might have the same message, that doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily get the response that we think we deserve or that we want. But just because we don't get the response we want, that doesn't mean we change the message. Some people think that about the seeker-sensitive churches, that, and there are a lot of seeker-sensitive churches out there, that they soften up the Word of God so much that they want to make it more of just kind of, you feel like you've been massaged when you go to church rather than you've been preached to. They want to soften up the Word of God so much that it's not offensive to you or to anyone else, and that it's not convicting. And they think the message of the gospel has to change to meet the, the mood of our society, the people today. I want to tell you something. That's just not true. The message is absolutely the same. Now, the methods that we use may have changed, but that doesn't mean the message will ever change. We have different music, a different order of service, maybe even a different style of preaching today, but our message has to remain the same. And that is what was said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's our message, friends. And we can't soften that up. We can't try to soft sail it. And we can't ever change it. And when we do try to soften it up and water down our message, we become weak and ineffective as a church. So our challenge has to be to remain faithful to the message even when we don't get the response that we want. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, listen to what happened when he preached basically the same message. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And guess what happened? 3,000 people accepted Christ and responded to that message that Peter preached. 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ and were baptized that day. Stephen thought, you know, that's a pretty good, pretty good message there. I think I'm going to try that. So he, he preaches the same message. Different crowd. But he's before the Sanhedrin, and verse 54 says, When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious, and they gnashed their teeth at him. Hmm. Probably not the response Stephen thought he would get after, you know, Peter preached that message, 3,000 people get saved. I preached this message, they're furious, gnashed their teeth at me. 
And we see later they're going to rush at him and drag him out in the street and stone him to death. Same message, but a different response. But he didn't stop. When the crowd became furious at Stephen's word, he kept preaching. He said, I see Jesus standing next to the throne of God. In other words, he said, I'm going to say it even louder and clearer. Jesus is Lord of all. And then they really got upset. Verse 57 and 58 says, At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voice, they all rushed at him. Not just a few. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Now, I've never been drug out of a a church service by a hostile crowd. But I have had people basically cover their ears, so to speak, and just absolutely refuse to listen to the message. I have people seen when they've been confronted with their own sin, really become very angry and yell and get very angry and maybe even attack the person that confronted them with the sin. Now, we may not always get the response we we want, but guess what, friends? We have got to remain faithful with our message about Jesus Christ. Third observation I want us to see here is found in the last part of verse 58. And, And if you just quickly read through it, you might overlook it. Verse 58, the last part of this says, Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. We might have a Saul in the crowd. See, I love that little detail. It just kind of quickly it slid in there that people laid their coats at this guy's name, this feet of the guys by the name of Saul. Who was Saul? Well, this was before he had his name changed to Paul who became the Apostle Paul, the largest contributor of Scripture, wrote more books in the Bible than anyone else, but he was there that day watching Stephen be put to death. Now, no one could see that Saul, who later became Paul at that moment, was going to be one of the most influential people for Jesus Christ ever. Nobody could see that at that time. He was just another guy in the crowd that was there watching given their approval of what was happening that day. He was just one of the bad guys. It kind of reminds me of when Chuck Colson went to prison in the early 70s. I remember as a young boy watching my grandparents and my parents be so enthralled with this hearing and investigation going on. It was Watergate, something like that. Chuck Colson was at the middle of that. He went to prison for it. And 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 Chuck Colson, honestly, was was one of the reasons our government is as corrupt as it was and still is. But when Chuck Colson went to prison, he met somebody there that changed his life forever. His name was Jesus Christ. And he founded Prison Fellowship, which is today the largest prison ministry in the world, and it's had a great deal of influence. Chuck Colson went on to become one of the most influential Christian men of modern day, but that isn't how we were first introduced to Chuck Colson. He was just another corrupt political attorney, 
we have to remember there might be just another Saul in the crowd. You know, I've seen and heard Christians treat non-Christians in such a way that they have completely alienated them from any chance they will ever give any serious consideration to the Christian faith by the way they have been treated by Christians. We almost tend to view that it's them versus us. That's how we kind of tend to view the world. But remember, us, many of us, used to be one of them. So when we face our toughest critics, there might be just a few Saul's in the crowd that might end up to be world-changing people. Let's go on. Next observation is to extend the hand of reconciliation. Verse 60, he said, Then he fell on his knees, this is Stephen, and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Now it's hard to imagine right before you die. Stephen had been stoned to death. Okay? Now, I don't know if you can even imagine what a stoning would be, would be like. But it wasn't just a quick death. But it was a, a slow, painful death. That you're like, basically, you're just pummeled to death by stones and rocks. Hitting you on all parts of your bodies. Rocks of different sizes and shapes. But right before he dies, he asked the Lord to forgive them. You see, God's law isn't like our legal system. You know, something happens here and they always ask you, do you want to press charges? Well, now let's just forget it. That's not the way it is with God's law. But that's what Stephen was doing that day when he was stoned and put to death. He was like, God, don't press charges against these people. Don't hold that against them. You realize that was the same prayer that Jesus prayed on the cross He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Stephen almost said the same thing. He said, Lord, don't don't hold this against them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. His last message was a message of forgiveness. Friends, I want to tell you something. We need to stand for the truth. There's not a question about that, but we don't have to have an adversarial relationship with anybody that opposes us. I see so many Christians go to war in the battle with people on Facebook or social media over issues that are not Jesus-related. A lot of Christians feel if we don't stand up for ourselves and fight for our rights that we're going to be taken advantage of, of course you're going to be taken advantage of. We're going to be censored. We're going to be silenced. Jesus said that would happen. He said, a servant is not greater than the master. So if they persecuted Jesus, guess what? They're going to persecute us as well. And just like Jesus did, we need to extend a hand of forgiveness and reconciliation. You see, our job as a church is not to try to to change the world through political means, but 
through our message of Jesus Christ. I really hope you guys will take the opportunity to follow the voice of the martyrs. You'll find stories like this. After a week of Bible camp, 15-year-old boy Roy Ponto and his friends, this was in Indonesia, were laughing and rejoicing, waiting for two camp staff members to return with cars to take them home. But they grew worried as they heard shouts and chants coming towards them, and an angry Muslim mob was making its way through town, weeding out the Christians. The teenagers scattered to find hiding places in the building, and when the mob arrived, Roy and some of his friends were discovered and forced to come out. Roy was frightened as the mob threatened these teens, and still when he was confronted, he would not denounce his faith in Jesus Christ. Trembling, Roy declared, I'm a soldier of Christ. Immediately, one of the Muslim attackers swung a sword at his stomach. He missed. The sword ripped into the Bible that Roy boldly held on to, tearing it out of his hand. The blade swung again. The second time it met its mark, and it pierced Roy's abdomen. It was sliced open. And Roy's final word before he died was Jesus. Jesus. Friends, that's our message as a church. Our, our message is the same as it has been, and it has never changed. Our message is Jesus. Yeah, I understand that we're being censored and silenced. And we want to fight for what's right, and we want to fight for the the things that we think we're entitled to, that's not our fight. Our fight is to change the world with the name of Jesus. Amen.